Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the You Thought Podcast. We are unfortunately missing a key member today. Wyatt is gone, but he'll be back next week. Uh, as always, let's go through some news that we will not be discussing in detail. First of all, in the soccer world, Ronaldo made a sudden transfer. He's gone from Juventus, and he has gone back to his first team, Manchester United. Any thoughts about that? It's a fun homecoming. <laughs> I, I, I don't like Manchester United, they're Liverpool's biggest rival, but oh. I love the good homecoming story. Kind of the last yeah. dance. Lucas, for those who, <laughs> yeah. who don't know about football, for yeah, about English football, um, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm just talking about in general. What does this yeah. mean for the Premier League? Is Man U like an actual contender? Yeah, okay. they'll, pro- they'll probably it'll probably be them or Man City who wins it all this year. Mm. Uh, would be my best guess. Well, that's why I was surprised because um, you were supposed to go to City at first, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought they uh, were more of a like a cheat code. He's taking the yeah, hardest route. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hardest mm-hmm. road, excuse me. Um, exactly. Speaking of Wait, the NBA, oh, <clears throat> is is this is a dumb question again for somebody that doesn't watch that much soccer? Is Ronaldo still good, or like how old is he now? He's thirty six, and he's still really good. Okay, I mean he's yeah. not like as good as he was five years ago, but he still scores like slightly less than a goal per game, which is okay. Insane. Gotcha. <laughs> he just broke the record okay. for most international goals <laughs> yes, ever. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's ever, not wow. just of current players. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Solid. Pretty good, pretty good player. Uh, okay, before I was so rudely interrupted, speaking, speaking of the NBA, um, I think I, I just wanted to point this out. Rondo, Rajon Rondo has signed with the Lakers again. He was on their championship team. And this is funny because this means that the Lakers now have six of the 12 oldest players in the NBA on their roster. Oh my gosh. So they're doing great. I saw a funny tweet that was like, this is the best top, like top to bottom roster in NBA history. <laughs> just because they have so many like old all-stars. Uh, yeah, I saw some tweet that was like the, like the 2011 all-star team. And it's like, half yeah. those guys play for the Lakers now. Yeah. We'll see if they can put it together. Um, and baseball news, Aiden has probably been appreciating this. There's some some beef within the Mets organization because Javi Baez apparently wanted to give fans who boo the players a taste of their own medicine. So he started giving them thumbs down. And then when he explained it, the Mets organization just like immediately denounced him for it. So, it's funny because they won eight and nineteen or something like that in August. So this is literally just like a symptom of a, you know, the team yeah. sucking. And they this literally like won a thing. single game, and Javi Baez was like after the game, like hot Mets fans, like take that. <laughs> and we're like, okay. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it personally though. I don't have any problem with it. If you Why? if you're if you're gonna it's come funny. to the, if you're gonna come to the game and boo the team, then you you can get booed too. I think you can get that why the team literally collapsed in the month of August. They're paying they're paying Lindor like the guys who you know thumbs down. Lindor mm-hmm. is being paid, you know, three hundred forty million over the next ten years. Baez, like who knows what he's gonna make coming this offseason. Though probably won't be with the Mets given this. They're being paid so much money. The fans are paying that money and they've been awful. They've been oh. atrocious. They did, like, But why honestly, can't they give it back too then? You can boo can. them. I'm not saying but it's wrong should, to boo them, but why can't they give it back? Absolutely hated for it. Um, and I feel like this is part of the contract, especially when you come to a city like New York, where everyone like cares a lot and is pretty mean, to be honest. Like they're they're ruthless fans, but I don't know how this was not understood that if they're gonna underperform to the degree that they have, that they're like they're gonna get booed. Um, mm-hmm. With that said, though, there is like in um, their first game after these comments, it was like one of those like storybook sports moments. Um, where the Mets were down 5-1 in the ninth, 
Um, and Javi, like they came back to to five four. They'd run around third. They'd Javi Baez on first, and he scored from first on a single because the um, you know left fielder bobbled the ball like go head first to win to walk off uh, the game. <laughs> it was it was a pretty wild moment. <laughs> the fun. Mets fans were giving them were giving thumbs up. So <laughs> they approved of that. A <laughs> whole change of fortune. <laughs> the only reason though that this is like a big story is because of like the economics of it, right? Like the, because because fans are coming to pay the owners like wait wait you can't boo you can't boo the fans because they're supposed to come and pay us money right oh I think I think it looks That's stupid that the Mets like organization was like like we condemn this like, <laughs> like <it> easy. yeah this is what happened with the Mets GM today too <laughs> got arrested for drunk driving after oh my attending a party at the owner's house so we are really doing great with the headlines of late. Yeah. Only Check on the Mets fans in your yeah. life. See <laughs> how they're doing. No, my my sister actually works on the street where uh, the Mets GM got arrested this morning. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Do we no, get like, live on the ground reporting? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, hopping over to NFL news. Um. Our favorite quarterback in the league, Gardner Minshew, yeah. is no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah. He's in an even worse spot now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm kidding. He's <laughs> on the Eagles now, uh, presumably backing up Jalen Hurts. Um, I don't know if you guys think that this means that they are even less confident in Jalen Hurts than some people have been saying, or if it's literally just an insurance. I think it's just insurance. They seem pretty Thank set you. on Jalen Hurts. Yeah, they named him the starter officially yesterday. Yeah. I think. Not that that. You know, but how long is his leash? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. He might also be the the third string guy because Joe Flacco's oh. on the roster, right. and they signed him. I think is to be a pretty competent backup. But <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It'll be a, a battle for the backup spot between <laughs> Joe Flacco and Gardner Minshew. <laughs> the quarterback battle that everybody was watching. Um, speaking of quarterback battles, Mac Jones has apparently just straight up beat out Cam Newton so badly that Cam Newton got cut. Uh, yeah. He's just gone. So whether he will even re-sign with another team or not remains to be seen. Obviously, last year he wasn't great. Um, people are saying he's probably just like he's you know past his prime to say the least. So we'll see. Um, and then going back to the Jags, <laughs> Urban Meyer is being investigated for apparently he openly said basically that they considered vaccination status when cutting players, and the NFLPA is upset with that. I don't know. It, I mean, it makes sense that you would. I don't know if it makes sense to have yeah. said it so blatantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, just this was a whole thing it. when they yeah. came out with the rules. Is everybody was like, everybody was like, an unvaccinated player has a definitely a less likely chance of making the team. And now it becomes now when it becomes an issue, like when it actually comes to the cuts, then everybody's back up in arms about it. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just saying when when Kirk misses like key games late in the season because he's not vaxxed. I'm gonna be annoyed personally. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Kirk is okay. taking his time, Bart, and you should respect the fact that he's needed. You know, um, like <laughs> how many months? How, yeah, exactly. How many months? <laughs> he's still reading well, all the papers and you know really diving into that scientific detail. So respect to Kirk, of course. Yeah. They well, have... not, he's not reading the playbook. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I'm just <laughs> what was his quote at like the beginning of all this? About like, the if I die, I die. Oh, that too. 
Well, Kirk Cousins did say, "If I die, I die." About COVID, oh, I don't even, I don't even remember that's, that. That's one attitude to take to this. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure, like, sure, you can still get COVID if you're vaccinated, but I don't know. I think to put your team at risk of forfeiting the games a little. Yeah. Yeah. it's interesting you're, you're like seven i think in the nfl alone i saw a stat today that you're seven times more likely to test positive if you haven't been vaccinated mm-hmm. so yeah. pretty easy math there as to yeah what mm-hmm. the right call is but, but you know plexiglass is cool too <laughs> you are how would it work you are zero times as likely to get it if you are in plexiglass <laughs> uh, okay anyways i'm sorry we, we spent too much time on this um interestingly in college football there's a crazy headline this week which is that south carolina is starting an assistant coach at quarterback he's not like a complete rando i think i read that he he played for iowa a few years ago he got some games in um but it's still super weird i feel bad for their redshirt senior who was the backup and he is apparently so bad that he's still the backup and they have to do this (laughs) um the reason it's happening is because their starting quarterback hurt his foot or something like that so that'll be interesting to say the least they're playing Eastern can, Illinois, so probably should be fine, but I don't know. Can someone explain to me? I didn't read about the story. I just saw about this before we started. How is that allowed? Like, <laughs> why is that allowed to happen? <laughs> like, he's not a, he doesn't go to school there, does this, he? Or just like, I guess he's technically a grad. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Aiden. No, I was just going to say, if it's the same thing as like J.R. Smith. Well, like, I guess he must, like, this coach must be enrolled in something, right? Um, yeah. The same way that J.R. Smith you know, came at age 30-whatever to go play golf. And I guess he's got years of eligibility left. Is that true, Bart? Is that how he's doing it? He's taking, like, a class. And, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't actually look that deeply into it. Yeah. That's a good question. I figured it might just be because, like, if you let a rando walk off the street and play for you, the NCAA might be fine with it because presumably you're not gaining talent because <laughs> they probably <laughs> suck. So maybe it's the same thing where, like, a head coach can't possibly be a good quarterback. Or, I'm sorry, an assistant <laughs> coach. I don't know. That's I'm sure it's something to do with eligibility. He was, yeah. he was Trey yeah. Lance's backup at North Dakota State. So oh, that's funny. Cursory oh. invite uh, okay. researchers told me. Huh. So, yeah. who knows? Yeah, okay. It would be even better if he was the head coach. <laughs> Stepping yes. in. Yes. Calls his own number. <laughs> and just like, it's my time. <laughs> I made a decision. I am quarterback. <laughs> he was like Caesar when he took, when he took the throne. Yeah. Okay. Um, or when Dick Cheney named himself George Bush's <laughs> vice president. Bold moves only. <laughs> All right. Lastly, and one of the craziest headlines we've seen in a while. I, I have a whole set of notes written for this because it's so wild. So, ESPN televised a high school football game uh, earlier this week that featured a team called Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> And the catch is that Bishop Sycamore doesn't exist. So there's just a whole bunch of crazy stuff here. They played two games in three days, which is wild for any, any football team at any age. They lost 58-0 to IMG Academy, which is the second best team in the country, apparently. Um, their, their website lists them as being in Columbus, Ohio, but there's no actual address for this school. And then I checked it myself, actually, and it gets crazier. The website is basically down now. There's no content there anymore. So it's, it's like they, they were caught and they started like, throwing stuff into the fireplace. Um, their head coach apparently got fired pretty quickly after all this happened. And also I saw that apparently he has a, an arrest warrant out. So, uh, and then, oh, and the last thing is that the team was apparently full of junior college dropouts. So players who aren't even high school age, 
it all begs the question, how did ESPN possibly let this happen? Like, did they not do any background <laughs> research at all? It was uh, Paragon Marketing's fault or whatever the company is. Yeah, yeah, the outside firm that yeah, ESPN. Which, hired. how did they mess up? What what research did they do on this? They did no research. Somebody got fired. Somebody I mean, the, mo- the least believable part of this is that there was a human being named Sycamore that they, like, became bishop of, like, Columbus, Ohio, and they named him after. That's the craziest Yeah. Part. My, my favorite part of it is that they're bad, and they're really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is impressive, though, that they had the uniforms. Yeah. They had like yeah, uniforms yeah. and like full equipment and everything. I was like, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I saw it too. They um they like technically playing like the Texas high school league, too what? or something what the like heck? that. <laughs> like even though they're in... <laughs> yeah, and it's like not unprecedented. There's like one school in Mississippi that plays in like the Texas high school system, but <laughs> it like what? so does so does apparently uh, Bishop Sycamore. I also saw something. I don't really remember like what the what this was referring to, but I I think like the the reason they didn't have an about section or whatever, or that they weren't like a chartered school was because of like deeply held religious beliefs or something like that. <laughs> like that's why they couldn't explain anything. I was like, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, needless yeah. to say, I doubt they'll be playing any more games anytime soon. Oh, Bart uh, is the. Sorry, I'm, I'm not gonna let this go. Um, I guess I think the arrest warrant was out because like two years or three years earlier, the head coach started a, an online charter school called the Christians of Faith Academy mm-hmm. that was for at-risk youth, and so it was clearly oh like BS. And so that is he's being uh, investigated for fraud uh, okay. as a result of that. He's yeah, probably so in nice. all kinds of trouble nice. right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they they chose like... to be non-chartered oh due to truly held religious beliefs. Okay. <laughs> I like this is all ridiculous, but I kind of I kind of appreciate the hustle. Like they made it to like ESPN. That is that is pretty crazy. I mean, he must be a talker. He must be a good talker to get these kids to play farm and to get on ESPN. Good. I don't know if the, if you get arrested at the end, there's a hustle with it regardless. So I, don't, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Anyways, let's let's finally dive in. <laughs> We have a college football packed episode for you today. So let's start off oh, yeah. with the team that we hold dearest to our hearts, Notre Dame. There's no Wyatt here today, so no no negativity allowed. No hate. <laughs> <Lucas>. <laughs> I'm up first. Good so. vibes only. Yeah, all, right, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right, Lucas, let's just start with you. The long and short of it, what are your expectations for Notre Dame this upcoming season? Okay, so unsurprisingly, I am the eternal Notre Dame football mega fan, but also the eternal Notre Dame football pessimist. So I don't think they're reasonably in a position to push for the college football playoff again this year. But I still think they'll only very slightly regress. I think about 10 and 2, maybe 9 and 3 uh, should be the expectation for the season. New Year's Six Bowl or slightly rest- less prestigious bowl berth. All things considered, I think this is going to be a decent season that shows that the team's floor in its current state is high and just really a testament to the job our man BK, Brian Kelly, has done at Notre Dame. Um, There's no doubt Kelly, despite all our talk and hesitations around him previously, has created, I think, something very close to an elite program at Notre Dame. Since we started college there in 2015, they've gone 10-3. We'll forget the four and eight season, but then ten and three, twelve and one, eleven and two, and ten and two, with two college football playoff appearances in that time. So it seems like even on the low end of the past half decade, like even when they perform a little bit below expectations, they're still a ten and three, eleven and two type team. And I think because they just have lost so much this past year, 
they'll regress back to the floor that sort of Kelly has sat um, them at and be that 10-3 and and, or 11-2 and two type team this year. I think the regression this year is basically down to one key component, and that's the offense losing so much of its talent from last year. Um, I think there's no doubt Notre Dame's biggest strength over the past decade or so has been producing O-line talent. You have Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, the Martin brothers. The list goes on and on. But this year, the team lost four of its five starting offensive line starters from last year. Jarrett Patterson, center, is the only one who's coming back. Um, they'll have to rely on a freshman, Blake Fisher, who is apparently a stud, but you know, there's only so quickly you can acclimate to the college game. A transfer from Marshall, a guy named Kane Madden, who I don't know a bunch about. Um, and some other guys who've been waiting in the wings. But while they're all definitely talented, I think it'll inevitably take some time for an O-line with four new guys on it to gel. Um, and I think that'll cause some issues. Um, in addition to losing all those offensive line guys, Notre Dame also lost its arguably two best receivers from last year, Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek, and its quarterback Ian Book, who was very good last year, great improviser, great game management, and Tom Reese's offense. But losing weapons like that really hurts. And implementing new guys again will take some time that being said like i think there are bright spots on the offense for sure jack Cohn, i think is gonna be pretty good in his one year at uh at wisconsin he was inefficient through for 2700 yards 70 percent completion about 18 touchdowns five picks tom reese's offense doesn't ask them the quarterback to do a whole ton and be a huge playmaker um and while he might not have the athleticism that book had i think he'll fill that role very well especially based on his experience at wisconsin kyron williams stud running back Best Notre Dame has had in a while, and I think the offense should probably revolve around him. Um, I also think Michael Mayer, who they call Baby Gronk, is going to be a really, really good at tight end. He'll get a lot of targets and play a big part in the passing game. Um, all that being said, I still just don't think the offense will be as good as it was last year, and that will sort of contribute to that slight regression from college football playoff to New Year's Six. I think the brightest spot by far on the team is the defense. Kyle Hamilton's probably one of the best players in college football. Will absolutely be a top 10 pick next year, assuming he doesn't have some catastrophic injury. Um, I think the pass rush is going to be really good as well. Isaiah Foskey looked really good in flashes last year. I think he'll continue to grow. Uh, Kurt Heinisch was really good last year at nose tackle. He returns. And I also you know, big hopes for Myron Tagovailoa Mosa. He's got a great football family, so you know he has to be good coming in uh, this year. Uh, losing Jer- Jeremiah Wusukamoro at... Linebacker really, really hurts, but they still have some good guys at linebacker. Drew White, Jack Kaiser, I think, will both contribute a lot. I have a ton of faith in new defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman as well. He was elite at Cincinnati, and I think he'll keep the defense in excellent form. Um, maybe close to the level that it was last year when the team went to the college football playoff and sort of led them there. So I guess all of that is a long way, wind away of saying I think expectations are still reasonably high. I think they'll be, you know, probably double-digit wins. But I don't think they'll be quite as good as last year's team, which made the playoff finish number five overall. I think we're going 12-0 and this year. And I say that That's... with a completely straight face. I think, I know we make a big deal about, um, like, we lost so much offensive production. But it wasn't like our offense was, like, full of all these, like, Heisman-level, like, all-pro or all-league guys, right? Like, sure, we had some talent, especially on offensive line. But... I think when you look at college football in the NFL now, especially on the offensive side, offensive side of the ball, is mm-hmm. kids come in like so much more well prepared than they did ten years ago. Like you see, like Trevor Lawrence, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, obviously an extreme example, right? But coming in his freshman year and beating Alabama, right, and like winning the championship, we see like like uh, the first true freshman ever to win the Heisman, right? 
uh, Jameis Winston, or we see like, uh, or it might have been um, Johnny Manziel. But we we see freshmen winning Heisman's now, right? We see first year quarterbacks in the NFL setting records like every four years now, right? Or first year wide receiver like Justin Jefferson. Sure, none of these guys played for Notre Dame, right? But we also see guys like um, McGlinchey or Quentin Nelson that like make an immediate impact in the NFL. I think that the on the offensive offensive side of the ball, like just talent is so much well more well prepared going into the next level than it used to be that I'm really not that concerned about our offensive line. Like we saw, here's an example: we saw Kyron Williams come in immediately as a freshman and absolutely tear it up. I I think there's no reason why people on the offensive line. Won't be able to do that. We have a pretty experienced quarterback, like you said. And, you know, we've, we've had to reload in previous seasons. Like, I was worried when we lost Tillery and, like, Aquara one year, and we did we replaced them. You know, we reloaded, and we, we lost a, a defensive coordinator. We replaced them, right? And we've done a really good job of reloading. Like, Lucas, you spoke to this. I think Brian Kelly's done a super good job of reloading, and we don't have, like, a really daunting... We have a really respectable, respectable, but not a daunting schedule. Like Cincinnati, thinks the only team rated higher than us in the AP right now. All of our other opponents are rated lower than us, and yeah. they're going to be formidable opponent, opponents. But I honestly don't see any reason why we couldn't win every game in front of us. I, I'm like saying that with a yeah. straight face. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you, Jared. That I think we'll, I think we could potentially be favored in every game. I think one interesting kind of um, thing with the schedule is that. Of the of the teams that were playing, of the best teams that were playing, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, USC, UNC, um, those four are all coming off of like a, a bye week when we come into them. I think that'll be kind of an interesting um, impact in that. Uh, like, I feel like even if we're favored to win each of those games individually, um, the fact that they'll have a, a bunch more time to prepare um, and they're yeah. all like pretty competitive teams means that that's going to result in us going three and one at best in the in that stretch of Wisconsin, Cincinnati, USC, UNC. Um, I think it's very possible that we end up splitting that, or um, <clears throat> hopefully not worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, in our, to add to that too, we play USC coming off our bye. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Those very games too, though, to add to that, they were all are almost consecutively as well. Like it's like Cincinnati or it's Wisconsin the next week, Cincinnati, then. Virginia Tech, yeah. so it's not, but then USC and UNC. So it's like the okay. meat of the schedule is all the hardest teams yeah. essentially consecutively with Virginia Tech thrown in there. And also to add to that, they're also relatively earlier in the season. So like my, I think my biggest issue isn't like talent like you're mentioning, Jared, because I do think like the team is like top class talent. It's just like the continuity. Like I think putting that many good guys on your offense, like there's only so quickly you can learn the playbook. It's only so quickly you can gel together. And while, like, the talent and athleticism and ability is there, I just worry about them, like, figuring it out by the Wisconsin game, which is yeah. three weeks into the season. I, I hear that, but we figured it out in pandemic year, right? Like, obviously we had starters <laughs> coming back, but it was a disrupted, like, training camp, right? Dis- disrupted training regimen. I definitely, I just feel like uh, either the players themselves or, like, Notre Dame just does a great job of, in general, great job of preparing them, uh, especially since, like, Flashing back to that Georgia game uh, when we had like a bunch of false start penalties at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Really, since then, I think we've done a pretty. I don't think we've had any games like that where we've been like really messy. I think the preparation uh, of the team is really high. And also, yes, we do have that gauntlet starting at September and like ending in October. Mm-hmm. But they're they're basically all home games, 
Wisconsin's in Chicago, so it's not too far. Mm-hmm. And then Notre Dame, SC, and UNC are like literal home games. Obviously, we have Virginia Tech yeah. in between that, but so like, and we have the fall break there. The fall breaks before USC, like the bye week, like mm-hmm. Bart said. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I think your points are valid, but um, I'm definitely, I I personally have high expectations for Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna do. I think they're gonna be pretty solid, and like I said. We actually have like a we have a path laid out to the college football playoff. We really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't we always though? If like we win every game, yeah. You know. But we have a really strong case. Like we can maybe even lose a game and we have a strong case still. Yeah. No, I guess really? so. I guess we made it last year. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just like unless it's a pandemic year like last year, and <laughs> last year was also different because they were in a conference. But like, I think it's always an issue. Um, the not having the conference style game, like. I don't think an eleven and one regular season Notre Dame team will ever get in over a conference champion that's twelve and one. The committee's liked us. That... We might have gotten in twenty. I think it was twenty fifteen when we lost to Stanford the last week. We might have gotten in that year. Yeah, do you remember I that? I do. Well, I do because I remember watching the game and thinking <laughs> when Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State for the Big Twelve championship, thinking that no matter what happens in the in the Notre Dame Stanford game, they're not going to make it in. And like, I don't know. Like, obviously, you can't play hypotheticals with that. Like, yeah. we have no idea. Yeah. But um, the committee I, I likes Notre about, Dame, I... though. Is all I'm saying. When we lost to Georgia yeah. in 2017, right? They kept us up in like three for a lot of the year until we you know, until we how, melted down. How that one turned out, yeah. Well, but, but yeah, um, but that was but it was in our, it was in our control still. Is I guess. Well, is yeah, the but point. That, yeah. I mean, there's difference between mid-season rankings and end-of-season rankings. You know, like Notre Dame could have been the third best. <clears throat> then but like they always talk about like that extra point on your resume you know like they would be the third best team until the fourth until the fourth and fifth best teams each in conference titles you know so i don't think you can judge end of season rankings versus mid-season rankings necessarily and like i don't think we'll be able to until we have a case in which that happens you know like like i just think it's going to take a year where notre dame go like goes 11 and 1 and is up against a 12 and 1 conference champion and see who they decide yeah they would yeah they would have to. I mean, this what yeah, I, this is yeah. getting off topic, but this is what I say to the committee. If you want us to play a 13th game, we'll schedule Hawaii. We'll freaking schedule whoever you want. We'll schedule the Citadel or wherever Alabama plays every year, Mercer. <laughs> if you want us to play 13 games, we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily fair, but I think Lucas is right. Yeah. Yeah. If it's if it's like same record or you know close enough record in terms of like both one loss, the conference champion's going to take it. The question is whether there will be four conference champions who have one loss um mm. and like where we'd fall if say there are two or three because I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are like two teams two conference champions that have one loss given big 12 pac 12 yeah um, that kind of thing yeah. yeah well and to your point too you mentioned like way earlier on jared like yeah. there's only one team ranked a high ahead of us yeah. which is true but like I think that underscores a little bit how difficult the schedule is. Like all the teams are very that we play are very yeah. tightly clustered around Notre Dame. So like Notre Dame's nine in the first AP poll, Cincinnati's eight, UNC's ten, Wisconsin's twelve, <laughs> and USC is fifteen. So it's like uh, <clears throat> I well there is only one team technically higher. Like all the other teams seem to be a relatively comparable skill, and like they I don't know like one voter from like you know USA Today or whoever like ranking. Notre Dame ahead of North Carolina, I don't think necessarily means that they're like that much worse of a team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely somewhat at the mercy of like our opponents doing well too. Like, yeah. Um, like if you can say that about anybody off, though, 
That's right? true, but I but I think mm. especially here where we have a couple like a team bunch of teams that are clustered in like the middle of the you know top twenty five. Mm-hmm. Teams like that can easily like fall out by the end of the season, or can have like actually prove themselves and be you know legitimate mm-hmm. opponents. So like there are definitely a lot of teams with potential here who could make Notre Dame's schedule look pretty tough if we go eleven and one. Um, but if they fall out, then eleven and one is not going to look as good. If you know, if yeah, UNC flops, yeah. if USC flops, if whatnot. You know? <clears throat> that is a good point. Yeah, and like maybe this is a curse, but like I feel like if you'd asked me a few years ago before we had like a, a large enough Brian Kelly sample size, like I would have said this is like a seven and five or eight and four team just based on the turnover. But I like, mm. I think, I think like I mentioned in the intro, like I think it's a testament to the job he's done that I think that like you know nine and three, ten and two at worst this year. Like I think. Well, that I think is a reasonable expectation. Like, I don't consider it all outside the realm of possibility mm-hmm. that they could win them all and go to the playoff again. Like, I think that that's like a maybe not the most likely scenario, but a likely scenario in yeah. this case as well. Um, and because I remember when they made the playoff in 2018 when we were seniors, going into that year, they'd also lost a ton of guys coming off of like a relatively good year, that 2017 year. And I remember thinking, like, okay, like, whatever they'll be fine like seven and five eight and four nine and three and they won every game and like in book came in and shown and we didn't really know anything about him before so like i don't know maybe jack Cohn puts on an impressive enough performance and they grind out 12 and now because like the schedule if they beat if they get past unc they should coast for the rest of the year which yeah is nice so it's like i think we'll basically know whether they'll have made the play like knock on wood obviously but like <laughs> i think like Navy's bad, UVA is bad, Georgia Tech is bad, Stanford is bad. Like they should, no doubt, win all of those games. Yeah, for those last four of the year. So, I'm not gonna book it right now. I need to see. I need to see Notre Dame actually play. But after mm-hmm. the, I might book that we're going to the playoff this year. After, depending on how we look first game, I might be prepared. Florida to book State. It. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Jared. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I got a later oh. book it coming in, coming in too. So so get ready. Oh shoot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Take notes. Yeah. <laughs> Big day. Um, okay, well, speaking of later, <laughs> let's transition. Uh, let's take a look at other teams across the country. This uh, this is inspired by a tale of two teams this past week. Week one, um, there was one team that went very backwards, or has been going backwards, I guess, recently. Nebraska got smacked. Gosh. On the other hand, UCLA looked really good in a dominating win over Hawaii. So now we will take a look at some teams that are going forward or backward or maybe somewhere in between. So let me start with you, Aiden. What is your team this year that you think is going to take a big leap forward? Yeah. Wyatt's not here, so I got to represent him. Um, so I'm going to say BC, uh, Boston College. Oh, I think that, good uh, choice. BC was fine last year. They were 6-5, and five, you know, bowl game worthy, but only barely. Um, but they did show some promise in general. They gave Clemson a scare, albeit, you know, without Trevor Lawrence. But they only lost them by six points. Um, only lost to UNC by four points. They played a pretty competitive game against uh, against um, Notre Dame. Um, so three pretty good losses out of the five. Um, and this year, their entire offense is pretty much back, including ex-Domer Phil Jerkovic, a, um, who had a, a, a strong season last year, 17 TDs to five interceptions. He played especially well in some of their bigger games. Uh, projects as potentially a first-round pick in 2022, apparently. Um, wow. Sources are telling me. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> at, least, at least a couple internet articles have told me that's a possibility. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Perfect. I, 
But like that compounded with the fact that I think BC has an easier schedule this year. Uh, last year, as I kind of alluded to earlier, they played Clemson, UNC, ND, pretty much the, the tops of the ACC. Um, and this year they're, they play Clemson, but that's their really only like tough, tough game. Um, they have four very winnable games to start out the season against Colgate, UMass, Temple, no disrespect, Lucas. Um, <laughs> lawsuit, Lucas, the Temple, um, and and Missouri. Um, so I wouldn't, and then they go into their Clemson game. I wouldn't be surprised if they enter the Clemson game four and zero and potentially ranked. Um, mm. So so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but given yeah that kind of lack of strength of schedule and the fact that they have a lot of talent back showed some promise last year. I'm optimistic about them. Yeah, I think they have like a really good incoming recruiting class as well, and have had and have like projecting out to really good classes as well. Yeah, yeah. Like the Notre Dame fan in me is, you know, not excited about BC getting better, but you know, what you have to do. Um, so yeah, turn it over to you, Bart, who's gonna take a big leap forward. My team, I'm going with the Utah Utes. Actually, no way. Well, wow. Oh, okay. Let's hear this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I don't know. They're all, they're all kind of coin flips. So they went 3-2 and two last year, but they started 0-2, so they finished strong. So that's one thing is that I expect them to keep the momentum rolling. They are returning the quote-unquote eighth most production in the country, uh, which means, oh, wow. pr- practically speaking, nine starters on offense and ten starters on defense, which is crazy, I think. Um, quarterback Charlie Brewer was transferred from Baylor. Okay. Uh, he wasn't... At Baylor, he wasn't elite, per se, but he was solid. Um, and he does have four seasons under his belt, which I think bodes well, just because like, he, I mean, he's a veteran as far as, as far as college football goes. Regardless of that, though, he's going to be better than Jake Bentley, who is now of the South Alabama Jaguars, if that tells you anything. So I think they're, they're, there's, there's like an immediately um, you know, significant upgrade at quarterback. Lastly, they have a pretty reasonable schedule. No Washington. They get USC after a bye, like Notre Dame does. And their other toughest game, Oregon, is at home. I think their okay. schedule is actually really um, kind to them, if you will. And I don't think that 9-3 and three or even, God forbid, 10-2 and two are out of the question. <laughs> um, I don't know that I would say that they will be winning the Pac-12 this year, but I actually don't think that it's out of the realm of realisticness for them to be in the Pac-12 championship game. Okay, so yeah, yeah that's, that's my pick, Utah. Jared, you you are less confident in that. No, I think it's I think it's Oregon's Oregon's uh, conference to lose, really. To be honest. Well, I don't disagree with you, but that's not necessarily <laughs> contradictory with Utah taking a step forward. Not yeah, mutually exclusive. Not the meat of yeah. the question. Yeah. <laughs> mutually exclusive is the term I was looking for. Thank you. Um, all right, now let's let's look at the other side of the coin, um, i.e., Nebraska teams that have been taking steps backward. Who do you think that's going to be this year, Jared? So this is just a team that I really just don't understand the hype. It's Iowa State for me. I, I think, I know, like, everybody's like, they're returning all this production or whatever. And I just was not impressed with what they did last year. Sure, they they eked out one against Oklahoma, but when they met back in the Big 12 championship, they lost. Texas, I, I really think Texas is going to be way better this year. I really do. <laughs> Oklahoma's going to be, Oklahoma, like some people think, are the best team in the nation, right, this year. I think there's two losses easily right there. And, um... Yeah, I just, I really just am not impressed with like Iowa State. I especially like when we were we were talking about this. I remember I think the 2019 season and like the 2020 New Year's Bowl game, Notre Dame played Iowa State, and the Big Twelve is just not that good. You know, like they're they're just their bowl game their bowl game last year they played a 25th ranked Oregon. Like Oregon had a down year last year, and sure they won that game, but 
yeah, I just don't really think the Big 12 is that good. Iowa State's wins look good because they beat Oklahoma in the middle of the year last year, but I I, I would be kind of, yeah, I just don't think they're going to do that well. I think they're going to take a step backward, especially like being ranked like what? They're like seventh or something crazy right now. Yeah, they're seventh in the AP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Yeah. George is kicking the Big 12 while they're down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 They've already had a tough couple more. months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give them a Wait till the Pac-12 yeah. buys them out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucas, what do you think is the team that's going to take a big leap back- backward? Uh, I very strongly considered Iowa State, uh, but I went with the Florida Gators. Uh, who nearly last year dethroned Alabama in the SEC championship, but I think they're destined for a big step back this year. First off, they collapsed at the end of the last season. So, like, if we're talking about momentum, they lost their last three games. They got smacked by Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Kyle Trask threw all those interceptions. Um, And not only did they end the season on a skid, but... Jared, your favorite quarterback, Kyle Trask, who I previously mentioned, um, and a lot of other skilled players... Um, including important pass catchers like Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, and Tavon Grimes are all gone. I think it's going to be really hard to make up for that uh, that level of production. Maybe SEC East will be pretty good this year. Georgia, I think, is going to bounce back this year in a big way. I might book. I think this is my big book of the episode that I think they'll beat Clemson this weekend um, in that opening Ooh. game. Uh, so stay tuned. Um, okay. I think Georgia is going to be really good this year. So I don't think there's any way they even make it to the SEC championship again this year. I think the offense is going to sputter a little bit. And who knows, maybe the elite Vandy defense under Clark Lee uh, will stop them as well in the SEC East. Plus, they also play LSU and Bama as two of their SEC West games, which just never is a good thing. So, yeah, I'm picking Florida to be my uh, big step back this year. Okay. Yeah, I would. I see that for sure. Okay. Let's let's look again at teams that are on the up, but uh, maybe that aren't going to be immediately great, but need another year or two. Jerry, let me throw it back to you. I actually love this pick. I'm, I went with North Carolina. I, I think, so obviously they have one of the five active coaches that have won a championship, right? And Mac is starting to recruit really well, a lot better than they used to. They used to be in like the 20s or 30s, but their last two classes have been top 15 classes. I think I would expect to see them start jumping up a little bit. I remember like pretty vividly in 2019, they played Clemson really well. It came down to the last play of the game. And I was like, okay, Mac Brown, actually, like he still got it. And um, I would say they're going undefeated. Actually, this is what I'm going to book. The only game that North Carolina loses this year is to Notre Dame. After that, they're going undefeated, bowl game included. I think, you know, so I, I wasn't going to put them into like the big leap and like they're going to make the playoff yet and everything. But Sam Howell is going to have a really good year, I think, this year. Like, there's, like, some Heisman buzz. He was really efficient last year. He jumped up, like, from 64%, I think, 61% to 68%. I think he's going to be really efficient in a third year with Mac Brown, and I, I'm expecting big big things from them. I think they're going to be, a, like, a pretty good program. They have, like, enough clout, and, like, they have the Jordan brand behind them and everything. Like, you know what I mean? I think that stuff's important in terms of, like, recruiting and – yeah, I have high expectations. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. But not like, yeah, not um, college football playoff bound yet. Because Notre Dame is going to get in the yeah. way. <laughs> okay. do, you, do you think they're going to be better, though, in a year or two when Sam Howell's gone? Yeah, that's a good... leave after this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, they're going to have to figure that. That's going to be something they're going to have yeah, to figure yeah, out. Yeah. But um, 
I've been impressed with Mac Brown, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I think he's been really good. Bart, what do you think? Well, I think that we had different criteria for what exactly this means because I didn't pick a team that I think will ever be in the playoff per se. Um, I was thinking more about like being 10 and 2 or so. This mm. is actually kind of awkward because I, for this one, Aiden, also picked Boston College. <laughs> so I guess we're kind of on the same page. I think they're just one more year away. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the reasons that you gave actually might have convinced me that they are going to be good this year. For me, the main thing is that they are only in their coach's second year as the head coach, Jeff Halfley. And I feel like usually a coach needs like you know three or four to really get his full recruiting yeah. groove down and get his all you know his like game plan systems in place. One thing about the recruiting that's uh, stuck out to me actually is that steadily. Okay, I know recruiting ranks for like 2023 are pretty irrelevant right now because there's like two people <laughs> per team, but they are eighth in the country right now in recruiting for that year. So if you look at 2020, 21, 22, and 23, they have steadily increased each of those years. So I think like if that trend continues, Boston College yeah. will actually be recruiting very fiercely a few years down the line. Um, but the main thing for me that I thought was going to be difficult to undo this season is that their defense last year was like 60th in the country in points <laughs> allowed. So I don't see how they will be... I don't think they're going to fix that in one offseason, basically. I think they have a lot of 50-50 games on their schedule. I would say Clemson's probably a guaranteed loss, but I don't know. I mean, you were right that last year they played them close. Um, I just think that they're probably going to be more like 7-5 and five this year. And So my criteria was, like, get to, like, two losses, and then you're, you're on the up. So, yeah, I think that they could be there next year. This year, I'd be surprised, but you also gave some compelling reasons, Aiden. So we'll see. Mm. I also didn't take into account that Phil Yurkovich yeah. might be leaving. I assumed he'd be staying until senior year, but <laughs> anyways. Who knows? <laughs> Finally, let's look at some teams that are just really awful and need a complete hard reset. <laughs> Lucas, who you got? Well, we've mentioned them already, and it's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Oh my gosh, yep. <laughs> I think it's been truly sad to see their fall from grace over the past few decades. They used to be an elite program. They've won five national championships, the last of which coming... Uh, the year we were born. Well, everybody but Bart was born, 1997. So it's been a while. Um, and they were just like such a ubiquitous college football brand. My granddad used to have a Huskers hat despite having like no affiliation with the team. <laughs> but they've been horrific recently, especially since joining the Big Ten. Since they joined the conference in 2011, they don't have a conference title and they have one division title. They won the Big Ten Leaders Division when the Big Ten used to be divided into the Leaders and Legends mm. as their two divisions before it was the East and the West. I remember that. Uh, yeah. A forgotten era. Um, and even when they won the division that year, they got smacked in the conference title game 70-31 to 31 by Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin with its noted high-powered offenses uh, <laughs> dropped 70 on Nebraska. Goodness. Um Scott Frost is clearly not the answer there. Whatever he did at UCF, what, or whatever happened at UCF, was clearly not his fault um, that they did so well. What? Uh, he's been 12 and 21 in four seasons, which is so bad. I, I just think they need to blow it up and start again, especially after an embarrassing week zero loss to Illinois this past <laughs> weekend. Like, they play Fordham this upcoming weekend. I don't know if I bet against Fordham. <laughs> Let's go Fordham. Yeah, take them down. <laughs> they're doing a little New York tour. They, uh, they're they playing Fordham, then they're playing Buffalo the weekend after that. Because so. we all know that New York is known for their great college football teams. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
and but then it's a trial by fire as they play Oklahoma the weekend after that before <laughs> oh jumping into gosh. their <laughs> then they jump into their Big Ten schedule which is has Michigan has Ohio State has Wisconsin has Iowa has Minnesota so yeah so they're gonna win two games they're gonna win Buffalo and maybe Fordham. <laughs> oh uh yeah I, we'll see yeah, i don't know yeah. i'll come to i, I want to do i do want to come to no go ahead Aiden. no i just didn't realize fordham was d1 so that's, yeah that's, that's fun yeah. fact anyway. they're, they're fcs right they're FCS, of course yeah, they are yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do want to come to scott frost's defense obviously as a ucf hater um <laughs> no scott frost i think i think what he needs to do is all right nebraska didn't work out i think it's his alma mater if i if i remember correctly it is yeah yeah Go back, go back to a group of five, rehabilitate your image and everything, and like get back to the winning ways, and then go to just. I think he needs to go to a program that's like not in the Midwest that has a little bit more clout. He needs to go somewhere in the South. I think, you know, Nebraska is. I think is just a hard program to rehabilitate because nobody, no um, recruit nowadays remembers a day where Nebraska was good, right? Yeah, I feel like there needs to be like. When when recruits don't even remember when that team was good, it's a pretty tough sell. Like USC, yeah. like I don't know, there might be some like sort of like, oh yeah, I remember USC like back in yeah. the early two thousands, a program like that, or maybe even like Miami, who just has like a little bit more of an aura to them. I just don't think Nebraska is like that school. You know what well, I mean? Those, those two are inherently more appealing because they're in appealing locations. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Also, he needs to get out of the Midwest. Jared, not to age all of us too, but like there aren't kids who remember like Reggie Bush anymore. Like the people getting recruited were born in like 2004 and 2005. They might have been watching. Was it 2005? Was that his year? It was 2005 or 2004 or 2005. 05 was the Vince Young year, I think. So 04 was like the big Reggie Bush year. So they were literal infants. They're probably in front of a TV at some point. There's like some Osmond. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, Aiden, what do you think? Who's uh, who needs complete reset? Yeah, I'm going with Virginia Tech. Um, Like people forget how consistently good Virginia Mm -hmm. Tech, or at least I forget how consistently good um, Virginia Tech was um, during the Frank Beamer era. Um, from 1993 to 2017, they had no losing seasons, uh, which is crazy. pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but under under Justin Fuente, they've not really been up to par. They had a solid first few seasons, so I think there was a lot of um, hype around it and and hope that you know he could keep it going. Uh, but they've had two losing seasons in the past three years. Um, moreover, like in his in Fuente's first couple of years, they had like top 30 recruiting classes. Since then, they've like seriously dropped they were number 76 um in terms of class rankings in 2020 number 45 last year um so they've just been kind of going downhill their defense gave up 32 points a game last year which is not Mm -hmm. not great and apparently fuente's kind of job was on the line last year everyone kind of thought he was going to get fired he didn't and now they head into a pretty tough schedule that includes unc notre dame miami um etc like I, I don't really see them having a above 500 year not having a losing season here uh, they've they've really become an afterthought in the acc as far as i'm concerned which they definitely weren't uh prior to this this new era so i, I think yeah. this will be the year that he's gone and that'll probably be good for them to to start over to some degree yeah agreed it's sad because they were just like you said like yeah. such like a consistently 
competitive program for so many yeah. years. And it's just sort of yeah. kind of going out with a, a whimper. Right. Yeah. Like a always like a tough game on the schedule, or at least a competitive mm-hmm. game on the schedule. And now it's kind of kind of gone. But you know, we hope they restart successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but. <laughs> Just not against Notre Dame. Exactly. exactly. Against exactly. everyone else. Against Clemson and UNC. That'd be great if they take them out. Uh, but Well, not yeah. UNC because that would ruin my yeah. bucket. But That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't but, think about Jared's bucket. So. Everyone supports them being <laughs> But anyway, that's going to do it uh, for this episode of our podcast. Per usual, please let us know what you think. Give us all your, your hot takes and feedback. Uh, to our, our, you know, um, potentially subpar takes and, and buckets. And I'm not shouting out, you know, anyone in particular, but please tweet at us that you thought sport. Uh, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram. Uh, please follow us and everything. Um, harass us. Let us know what you think. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with a, another episode this week. Uh, so, so please listen to that one as well. Uh, see ya.